Welcome to the Chemistry Factor Podcast, dedicated to help you consciously inspire your actions in business, no matter what circumstances you're facing, transforming your stress into empowering success. I'm Coach Barney, founder of The Chemistry Factor. For over 25 years, I've worked with hundreds of successful business leaders who have all experienced how poor working relationships and unexpected business setbacks cause the anxiety and stress that weakens your productivity, innovation, and leadership skills. You do not choose to be stressed. It is a reaction, not a decision, that drains your energy, making work hard and less fulfilling. Together, we will discover how to empower your attitude to achieve the greater success and satisfaction you've always wanted in your business, career, and life. My guest today is Mary Ann Powers. She is a digital pioneer with a wealth of expertise as a leader in advertising agency, project management, and operations, both nationally and globally. She thrives on solving complex business challenges and driving best practices. She started her career during the interactive dot-com boom that transformed the agency world. Marianne has built and led project management teams for prestigious agencies such as WPP's Ogilvy One, Omnicom's BBDO Atmosphere, Publicis Razorfish, and IPG's MRM McCann. Welcome to the show, Marianne. It is a pleasure to have you here. And a pleasure to be here, Barney. I always love talking with you. Well, thank you. Just getting into it. Without attention to every detail, an agency's deliverables and profitability would suffer as well as their client relationships. Project management has its moments of stress. <laughs> uh, what would you recommend to others in your profession on how to minimize stress and maximize efficiency? Oh, it's, it's tough. Project managers are problem solvers, so it is always stressful. But, you know, we have a unique opportunity as, as cross-discipline leads. It's a, it, goes, it kind of cuts both ways where we have a lot of responsibility, but we don't have the authority. We don't manage the team. Like, they don't report to us. We can't tell them what to do, but we can, we can facilitate a team that is working together to a common goal. And so, so really, so much of what I mentor my project managers on are these Jedi mind tricks. It's really about building trust. So it's, it's helping the team like define the swim lanes and have transparency around like, what do we need to do and who needs to do it and when they need to do it, but also not being so rigid because we're all on the same team, right? It's, it's, we don't have time to point fingers and say, not my job. We have to say the common goal is we're all trying to deliver the best work. Let's make sure we're clear on who's doing what. There's no gaps. There's no overlaps. We're not stepping on each other's toes. So if you can build that environment, the stress comes down because you're all helping each other and not fighting against each other. The work is hard enough. We don't need to do that. So you're bringing the Yoda philosophies. <laughs> yes. <very laughs> all right. Much. What do you love about operations and project management? So, you know, it. this again, it's, 
when project management and operations work well, they're the invisible hand. You don't even know it's there because everything is running so smoothly. Uh, Project managers come up with a plan. They make sure they have consensus for that plan, that we're all moving together. And and they're thinking three steps ahead about all the risks so that the team can focus on the things they need to do now while the project managers are working to remove the blockers to ensure that we get there. And then an operations level, it's building the systems to reduce any friction, to reduce the number of obstacles that the project managers are going to have to come up against. So that's that's what I love. I mean, it's that problem solver. It's that helping everyone. And, and yet, you know, we're kind of the unsung heroes because when we do it well, nobody knows it's happening. You're like the chess players of the agency world. You're, you're, you're looking five moves ahead. That's right. <laughs> All right. I love it. What story can you share that was a peak moment of success in your career? That inspires you. I mean, it. I'm so fortunate. I got into the business in the 90s and got to build all kinds of wild stuff. I started out making interactive Star Trek movies on CD-ROMs and, and then making websites when like nobody knew how to make a website. And we just put a bunch of people in a room with a whiteboard and we figured it out. And um, gosh, you know, I built a global content management team and deployed processes for IBM's e-commerce, first e-commerce site. I built like the first Volvo website, the first Coppertone website, like all these things and so much more. But most recently when I was at MRM, I was there for four years and I, I built a project management team. I led a team at, at, at its height of 80 employees. And then I defined all of our processes for delivery. So we built a project management playbook, everything from how to kick off and initiate a project to how you get final delivery and reconciliation. And then, you know, also deployed tools. Again, with that idea of let's make it easier for project managers so that we, so that the team can focus on delivering solutions and not filing paperwork. Uh, <laughs> things like that, right? We want to uh, make... So that was really... A tremendous experience. I can hear your smile. You know, <laughs> I, I, there, there's an elevation going on when you think of that moment. What values would you say are inspiring you in creating that project? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that I was at MRM for four years and it really is that problem solving and that helping people, right? So, I mean, I ah. think they're attached, right? I want to solve the problems because I want to help everyone. And so, you know, I really got to hit, that was like the trifecta, build the team, define the processes, deploy the software solutions to make the job as easy as possible for everybody at the agency. So values like support or mentoring, dedication to excellence. These are things that kind of are, that that inspire you. Yeah, it's funny. I use the word efficiency a lot, but I mean that to like, take the gum out of the works, to smooth everything out, to, to make it, again, the, so that they're focusing on the quality and not worried about like the, the client budget or the timeline. Like I want to make that they can focus on the important thing, which is the work at the end of the day. And if we're making work that we're proud of and the client's happy with, like that's that, then we win on every count. Sounds like you're, you're, you're really creative, which is why yeah. maybe the agency world is such a good place for you. Absolutely. I I grew up in a family of artists. My mother was a master potter. My brother is the dean of sculpture at UC Riverside. Husband's an artist. I'm going to interrupt. I was going to say you were like you're molding something. Yeah. So it's in your system. 
Yeah, I didn't have the artist calling myself. Like I saw how much work it was and I just, I didn't have that passion to commit to art. And meanwhile, my dad was a project manager. So he actually developed early, he was in early computing and, you know, things of that nature. So I was, I basically grew up in a pottery studio. And it was all about the process. Like how do you make What a lovely thing. I've done a little pottery. It's it's so relaxing for me. And, you know, when you, when you apply that, those values that really create, enhance your creativity, it's, it's not stressful. Yeah. I mean, there's at some point, like you have to respect the process, like how the clay wants to work, how the tools are supposed to be used. But then there's other times that you just kind of play with the tools and the clay and you love your analogy or a new (laughs) thing to make. You know, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, For me, at least, pottery was more about the process and the product. You know, we made beautiful things. Right, right. Name a challenge that was disappointing for you. And how did you manage through it? What did you learn from it? So I'm glad that you shared this question with me in advance because it's hard. You know, there's so many challenges, but most of them I feel happy about that I was able to make it better. There was one that was really disappointing. And for me, it's, it kind of speaks to the broader challenge of advertising agencies in the 21st century. Everyone's trying to reinvent the model. And, and, and I, I don't feel like anyone has completely figured it out. So I had been asked to join a bespoke agency that Publis is built for Chase. So uh, it was called Roar. It was a publicist uh, solution. And it was intended to take the media team and the digital marketing team and put them in the same agency. Because a lot of times we see like the media agency works in a silo, the marketing agency works in a silo, and then the client's really not getting the most value out of either when the work doesn't fit the the media placement or vice versa, right? So it was a great vision. We stood up uh, a team uh, in nine months but no one got into the weeds of how that work, how that work happens. It's like, it's like they gave us a vision and a roadmap and they said, hey, this is where we want to go. We want to have an integrated team. And everybody was like, yes, that's a great idea. We should have an integrated team. But then that map was for water and we're used to being on land and nobody like built the boat. Nobody taught anybody how to sail. Ah. So, so everyone kept working the way they always worked. We sat together, but we didn't change the way we worked. They worked on their work stream. We worked on our work stream. That alone was disappointing. And then Chase decided to take all of the work in-house. And so I spent, after building it up for three years, I spent nine months, like, taking it down again and, Ooh. you know, letting the team go uh, a piece at a piece and transitioning the work to, to Chase. So um, if you were going to highlight what you learned from that, that for future bit for future opportunities, what 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 would it be? Oh well, this this is like my it's my dream job, right? It's that next level of helping these at the executive level. How do you translate the vision of a twenty first agency, twenty first century agency? How do you translate the vision of a twenty first century agency into changing the way that the teams work? So I want to join the operations team to facilitate that change in how people work. 
right now it seems like a lot of operations leads are 20th century operations leads. They're thinking about the old agency model where you had retainers and you didn't really have to worry about who did what so much. It was like the account team led and then everybody just did it. So I don't think that the operations leads we have are really helping the teams figure out how to sail or, or even giving them the sailboats to do it. Sounds like communication. The, the process is there, but the communications is lacking. Maybe they don't understand each other or yeah, they're stuck in their ways. Yeah, I think the vision is there. And I think the people on the teams want to get to that vision, but nobody knows how to actually change how they work. They could use some business coaches. <laughs> yes, they could. And, and, and I'm, I love mentoring. I, I want to be at that next level to help yeah. make change. Yeah, it is bringing people together in a, in, a, in a different way that they're not used to, which can be a little frightening. You know, you know how to do something and suddenly you're being asked to do it in a different way if someone's not really there to support in a way that is separate from just getting the work done. That's really hard. Yeah. So I've always been a little ahead of my time ah. and I hadn't realized the tension until I've gotten to this moment, really. I mean, it's it's always kind of been there that... I started out making games and then making websites at interactive companies, air quotes, interactive companies. And then I started going into these big agencies and working in the digital arm. You were kind of like the little stepchildren. But now that operations level, that executive level, they don't have a lot of people like me that have come up through digital marketing, have focused on project management. So they don't have that perspective I, I think project-based business models is where we need to move to. And, and there's not a lot of people who have that type of experience in their background at, mm-hmm. at that executive level. Interesting. Operations management requires a constant juggling of priorities. What type of personality do you find fits best in that environment? And what values do you look for? I definitely am always looking for team players. It's, again, one of these funny things with project management is that coming up from software development, you know, project management is based in that type of software background. Uh, it is hard for those people to work at an ad agency because they want to be really rigid. This is the plan and we're sticking to the plan. Even if they have an agile framework, that yes. agile framework has a lot of constraints to it. So it's, 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 it's funny that when ad agents say they want to be ad agencies, want to be agile, they actually mean kind of, we don't want any rules. Um, <laughs> so, so, so really how I mentioned at the top, as a project manager, being a team player is key. Leading teams, building that teamwork, that fostering that collaboration is really ah, key. That's um, what you're, when you say team player, you're, 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 you're really emphasizing collaboration, maybe some camaraderie, support. Uh, there's, there's that. I mean, there's just showing up with a smile, which can be hard to do, especially when you're a project manager and you're feeling a lot of the weight, but, but you do have this opportunity to build the team and, and so, so I'm looking for project managers who are focused on that collaboration, who are flexible in their mindset, uh-huh. you know, can be, you know, because you're going to need to build consensus. You're not going to need, you're not trying to force a process on teams. You're trying to build a process that works for the strengths and weaknesses of your talent. If you force things on anybody, they may do it, but they're not going to have the heart to do it. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, it's kind of like you want it to be, 
their idea as much as yours. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We're now living in a virtual work world with many jobs being remote. How do you see that affecting operations management, especially in diverse cultures and international time zones? This is really interesting. You know, I actually, one of the other interesting things that I have had in my recent experience was developing the return to office plan for the uh, McCann headquarters, the world headquarters in, in Manhattan. And that really piqued my interest in operations. You know, there were just so many things we had to think of and, and make sure that, you know, when people come back to the office, that it's a, a place that's productive and how to do that when we're in a hybrid thing or when we didn't know back in 2020, how it was all going to play out. So, you know, how do we build a new working environment, but the environment so broad in its terms, but one that's productive. And, you know, I would say we've lost a lot of the personal connection. I mean, I definitely miss bumping into people in the hallway, you know, really reading some of the physical kind of um, somebody's twitching in their chair or something like that. And, and then being able to speak to them after the meeting and being like, hey, were you, did you have any questions that you needed to, you know, something you're worried about? And, and when so they're not on camera, you know, right, you, you, right. you catch them being themselves. You know, I think there's a hybrid here, but it seems as if more and more agencies are hiring people in Europe, in Asia, India, all over the country now. Oh, they don't have to be in New York. They, they can be in Idaho for all they care. And I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm saying to myself, wow, how do you bring that together in a really authentic way? Yeah. Well, you know, so I mean, we've lost a lot, but also we have this opportunity to like really reinvent how we work. And so we've gained a lot. Like we have gotten better at working remotely, which means that we can reach out to talent all over the world. We have gotten so much better at working globally because we're now able to accommodate those late night calls or those early morning calls we're just better at it now. Three years later, we're better at hopping on a call with people than we used to be. We never used Zoom before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you used to use the telephone. And so now you're looking at them, but still the hours are crazy. I mean, you're, you're jumping on a 10 o'clock at night phone call. I mean, yeah. it's going to start burning people out over time. Yeah, is and and I think we need to learn new boundaries because conversely, I can also if I'm doing that ten o'clock call, I could also maybe sleep in the next morning, or I can take an hour off at lunch and go for a walk. Like things that I didn't used to do, I I can now do. I I have that luxury of like taking some time with my son when he comes home from school. You know that. So there's so it's the flex. So when you're trying to reinvent this way of you know ma uh, project management flexibility sounds to be the key. It will be for sure. I mean, we're, we're all going to get used to a whole new way of working. And, <laughs> and It'll I, take some time for some, I, but yes, it, it definitely, that's the, the wave of the future. How has supply chain dysfunction affected agency client relationships? So I think on the client side, um, their needs have been changing rapidly. And then, oh my gosh, in 2020, I would have one client who says like, stop everything, pencils down. I'm like, oh gosh, I have 20 people with nothing to do uh, because say it's a consumer beverage company and now all the bars and restaurants around the world are closed. 
what am I going to do with this team? And then meanwhile, I have a telecom client who's like, hey, you know that campaign we wanted to run three months from now? Scrap it. We want to run something else next week. Okay. Well, good thing I got 20 people sitting here with nothing to do. Um, so, So we've had to be even more flexible. You know, I mean, this is, again, it kind of keeps going back to we need to change our business model so that we can be way more nimble. So I would say that the client side needs are changing so rapidly. And then the agency has to be able to do that as well. Yeah. And because of the way the labor force is right now, that becomes an additional struggle, which can create more stress. You have 20, but maybe you needed 40. Yeah. And it also then brings to question a lot of how we manage talent. I'm consulting right now and it also has its pros and cons. And I'm, I, I got into it because I reprioritize. Everybody calls it the great resignation, but I think it's the great reprioritization. I, you mentioned smile before. I think when you're smiling, it does alleviate some of the stress. Yes. Just that physical being, yes. you know, it makes the stress go down. Yes. So that if there was anything that, you know, I'm picking up on what you're saying, that that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yes. Keep smiling. <laughs> <laughs> you were in the beginning, as you mentioned, of the dot-com boom and later bust. What did you learn from that experience in how to manage client and agency expectations? It was really funny that I learned so much back in the 90s. And uh, and it was so exciting. And yet other people were kind of like, oh, you're putting your eggs in this basket, right? Like, you, the internet's a fad. Like, you're putting all your energy into this thing and it's going to go, it's crazy. And it's going to, there's going to be a bust. And I was like, yes, there probably will be a bust. It is growing too fast and there's not even enough talent. And like, and, and you start to see, you know, people making websites that just didn't strategically make sense for their business model. But I knew it wasn't going to go away. Like this was just early days and people, some, there were maybe some bad decisions, right? Like when they would invest millions in some startup and then it would flop, you know? So, but the internet wasn't going to go away. And of course, kind of like the heart. Oh, what do you mean? Uh, You don't want a car. You got a horse and buggy. We don't need a car. (laughs) (laughs) So people would say that they would point to the startups that were overvalued and flopped and they would be like, see, it's a fad. And, and I did get laid off. And that was not fun, but I went and worked at a Vespa dealership for a few years. That was a hoot. (laughs) So I was a general manager at a, at a Vespa motor scooter shop anyway, but. And that's something you do as a hobby now, isn't it? And it is, it's, it it is a passion. Oh, you got a passion out of it. That's great. (laughs) But, um, but now, you know, here we are again in like the web three and everyone says, oh, it's a fad, the metaverse that, you know, AI, NFTs, it's all a fad. These emerging technologies, they're just toddlers. They're going to make loads of mistakes. And people are going to say, see, that's, that's just stupid. Like that's, these technologies, they are revolutionary. They are yes. going to change everything. And I'm excited to see how they mature and what they become. I'm with you. There's no doubt that they're going to mature. And yes, they will have their, their, their fallout because it's like building the better mousetrap. You're always reinventing until you find it that it works. And then something else new will come along. Who knows what that'll be? Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll all be able to fly. Yeah. <laughs> I got my wings here. I'll see you at the, the office. I've been waiting for the teleporter my whole life. So oh, you in Star Hawaii. Trek. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Since the pandemic 
the world of business has changed dramatically. How has it affected your work and life? Well, I definitely reprioritized my health and my family. I think previously I was very focused on my work and, and it was great. And I got so much satisfaction out of my work. But once we went into lockdown, it, it, you know, it was scary being here in Manhattan. It was really, really scary. And I started to make time. I had to create a new routine and I made time for exercise and making healthy meals for my family and really got to bond with my 12 year old son, who's now 15. So that was really great. And working remote is really lonely. It, overall, some compounded isolation, th- that has been tough. But in 2020, when uh, in the fall of 2020, things here in the States weren't, it wasn't clear what was going to happen. And my son didn't love his middle school experience. And my husband was ready for a change and, and had worked quite a lot in Japan where things were going really well with the pandemic. So we applied for a visa I left my job. We got the visa approved in March of 2021, and then Japan closed their borders. And isn't your husband a creative? He is an artist. Yeah. So, um, so you know, you just live in. You're just artist in your blood. That's pretty much it. So what happened? You couldn't go to Japan, man. That must have been a disappointment. And then they had the Olympics and they really weren't interested in like letting an artist and his family through the borders. Like we were not on the priority list. Right. (laughs) And, uh, and then my son went to high school and he loves his high school and Ah. that's really important. So we've decided to stay um, until he finishes high school. So now I am looking for a full-time job and, uh, you know, but in the meantime, I I've enjoyed working as a freelance consultant and, and it's been, it's always a new challenge. It's always something interesting. As an independent contractor, you know, what is it that you enjoy about that? I guess flexibility be one thing, anything else in particular, or what's detrimental as an independent contractor? (laughs) Well, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's always really interesting. I started with Wonderman Thompson uh, a year ago, helping them with new business. Uh-huh. And I've done enough project management that I can bang out a proposal pretty quickly. Um, and so sure. that, that provided a lot of value to them. And again, it's like every week with new business, it's a new problem you have to solve. And then in August, they asked me to help onboard one of their new clients, Kindrel. Um, and so I built a team. I've been defining the processes for global, you know, digital marketing. I do a lot of the commercial lead work, you know, with the contracts and staffing forecasts and revenue reconciliations. And so I'm doing a lot of the operational work for that line of business. And now I'm still helping them with new business and, and a new client that has come in. I'm, I'm beginning to also help onboard now that I've stabilized the first client. So. Do, do you find that, you know, agencies are, are happier to hire you as an independent rather than a full-time employee? It sounds like you're doing full-time work. It does. It's, this is where it gets a little challenging. So for me, it was temporary. And, and I love building teams. I love setting up, hey, we have a new engagement. Let me hire a new team and build a process that's, that fits for this particular client need. So I do love doing that. But 
it's not a growth opportunity. I'm not learning. And it is sometimes frustrating, you know, as a consultant, it's like, I'm here to do whatever you want me to do. I'm a hired gun. But then my role is not always well-defined. And, you know, like I have a lot of responsibilities, but I don't have a lot of authorities. You know, I'm, I'm being asked to lean into leadership vacancies, but not included in executive discussions, you know, so, so it's not a full-time job and I have to, as a consultant, stay one step back from taking too much ownership. Um, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Because there are people that own and they don't want to share that ownership. Yeah. That's the life of a consultant, but, but but they'll use your, they'll probably take your advice and, you know, be very happy with it. And uh, yeah. So they Look. do, and and I value, and that's really nice. Is you know, I, I attended a meeting last week where where the head of global growth was like, I've never met a, a U shaped person before, and that's when it occurred to me that at that executive level, there aren't people with my type of experience. So, Explain to me, U type. What what is that? Well, having somebody that's not just an operations kind of commercial lead. That's like, oh, this is what the number is, and. I can actually, I'm listening to six executives talk about how we should develop a solution for the client. Because of my project management mind, I can translate that into an approach. Uh, Like, here's how we should do it. Let's, instead of trying to solve for B, let's solve for A first. And then let's move C up because then we'll have the information we need for, you know, the the next part. And, and this one was like, wow. (laughs) It's creativity. It's, that's what rings you different. A lot of people that are in management operations are process driven. Yeah. You know, this is the process. This is how we do it. And sometimes, oh, we have to change. Oh, I got to take a deep breath and see it. But you're the type who is doing the process, but looking to see how can we do it better? Yes. And yeah. they're like, whoa, you're being really strategic. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't just speaking to like, oh, this is what I think the number should be in the terms of the SOW. I was speaking to how we build a better solution and uh, based on the expertise that I have. Yeah. Well, somebody's going to be lucky to get you uh, <laughs> when you're ready. Okay. But yeah. somebody's going to be very lucky because you're a rare breed. Yeah. I'm, I am looking for an opportunity to, to go to an agency where I can spread your wings. I remember I was talking about flying. <laughs> yeah, I want to build the better the 21st century business model for an agency. Everyone's struggling to get there, but I I, I want to help build that. And I want to redo that answer. You should be talking to people who want that as well. That's what you're looking for. And it's not about, oh, there's a job here. It's just networking with people because networking is your strongest asset, your number one asset. Networking with people that have similar mindset that want to help create it as well. And you'll come up with ideas and suddenly opportunities will present themselves. That I'm, I'm speaking from a, from a recruiter's perspective, though, though I am a business coach as well. <laughs> I think I, well, I, I so appreciate it. And I always, like I said, I always enjoy talking with you. I, I think part of the challenge in my job search right now is that, like this woman had said, she'd never met a me before. I don't think my role exists because no one has seen it exist. Right. Yes. They have operations leads who are a little bit more leaned out, kind of, you know, they're they're more like checking the boxes on the finance reports and things of that nature. You know, how many people do we have and how much are we spending? 
no one has come into operations from a project management point of view and looked at how do we meet that vision of a 21st century agency and bring everybody with us and bring it. How do we build the sailboats for the team to get off land and onto water? Right. right. How do we do that? That's great. A great metaphor. It's a good analogy. I, I, I like the way you think. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. And I want to thank you. And I'll be thinking of Yoda today, (laughs) Uh, you know, because it always gives me that kind of like Zen kind of, oh, here's the wisdom to be found. If I was to ask you, what words of wisdom can you share with with the audience, especially those, you know, that are in the agency world to bring people together, to get the boats ready? What, what might you tell them? It's funny that you picked up on the Yoda thing because I do practice karate and I just went to karate this morning oh. and I learn, I've been practicing for seven years. I, I learn as a student. I teach as a, an assistant to the children's class. I learned so much from mentoring and teaching, but also the, uh, the dojo that I practice with, it's, there's strength is important, but, but the spirit and the technique and we're not, it's not a, like a young man's game. It's not just the strongest. I mean, we have, we have a whole division for, for blind people and people with, you know, c- cognitive challenges. It's, it's, everyone has something to offer. Dancing with life. Question. <laughs> kind of like dancing with life. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can, oh, we could do this process that we do this kick and this avoidance. But when you're in the, in the moment of life, you don't know what's coming. Yeah. And it yeah. sounds like you enjoy it. So enjoy being in the unknown might be, you know, where you want to take this. Yeah. You know, I may not be the strongest or the tallest or, you know, but I can, what, what are the things that I am good at and how can I use those to my advantage? And, and, and it's a very much about a teamwork as well at the same time. Like we have to trust each other in the karate class that we're going to teach each other and support each other and I don't know. You're a moped mama. Uh, as a moped mama, do you do you do you ride your moped in the in the streets or do you just do you take it to the side roads? Well, so I, you know, I rode a lot when I was younger. And um, since I had a kid 15 years ago, much less. I would I used to ride all over the city and um, and then I even started racing. You're bold. You like adventure. And oh, yeah, yeah you, you like the challenge. I, I love it. It's, it's yeah. yeah, you're smiling and beaming. And I got a mini bike last year and I'm trying to teach my son because I want to oh. get away from the computer and go race mini bikes with me. So. Ah, wow. Karate, mini bike racing. Woo. All right. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show. Of course. It was a pleasure having you with us. And, uh, Wishing you happy trails on your moped and in your karate class and everything else that goes with it. And we'll see you again. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and recommend The Chemistry Factor to your friends. If you would like to connect with me on social media, reach out to Barney Feinberg on LinkedIn. To connect with me directly, email barney at thechemistryfactor.com. Until next time, empower your business success every day.